Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on into episode 180 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Adnip, here with Andrew Rosenthal and James Cook on our 180th episode. Does that mean that, like, we have to turn around and go backwards now? We did a full 180. All right, so next week we go, it's 179. Yeah, we go back to 179 now? I don't think that's the way it works. And the, when you do a full 180, isn't that what it means? You turn around? Do a full 180. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like the Dua Lip song. It's a TikTok challenge. I don't have TikTok. We've talked about this for years. <laughs> we, you've been here for like two years, and we, for the moment you got here, we, we crapped on TikTok, didn't we? <laughs> you know, that's funny. You know why we crap on TikTok? is because I feel like I'm a geriatric, and I wanted to bring this up. I think we, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, I asked you guys, what do you still want to be able to do when you're 50? Right? And my coworker, James, over here said he wants to be the old guy in the mosh pit. And I wanted to bring this up because I went to uh, a concert this past weekend. And I, I'm not the old guy, but I found myself in several mosh pit. And you think you're still going to be doing that at 50, bro? You didn't enjoy it? Oh, no. I, I enjoy it, but run, my body doesn't right now. I am hurting. <laughs> my back is killing me. I just drove four and a half hours on my back, and I'm just like, oh, my God. There was a wall of death. On a Saturday evening, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's something that's something you have to experience at least once. But it's something you don't want to feel the day after. Yeah. <laughs> I've done once. I've been like I've been in the mosh pit at like Static X. This guy and Rollins Band and Cypress Hill. Yeah, you're probably getting punched in the face and whatever it takes. Yeah, most most people in the mosh pit are pretty respectful. Oh, I mean, until yeah. Until you do something. Well, yeah. Bad. The the, the the there's usually good mosh pit etiquette. Yeah. Somebody falls down, you pick them up. Yeah. You know, somebody immediately you get them off the ground. You know, you're not you're not going for the face or nothing like that. But when you're doing a wall of death and there is 20 people behind you and 50 people in front of you, there's not much you can do about it. I learned that this weekend. I've never been in one of those before. Have you? Like the full wall of death, where they split it directly down the middle and just have you literally sprinted each other. I don't think so. No, I've just that's how they start pit. the mosh pit. No, like that that is a mosh pit, but that's what they do is they make the whole crowd split down the middle. Right? You give it like 15, 20 feet between the crowd, and then everybody just rushes at each other and start mosh pitting. Mm. And he did it all the way from the front, all the way to the back. And it was like, I guess we're doing this. The only time I've ever been in a mosh pit was small concert venue. I mean, like 50 people concert venue. And it was this like half decent rapper that went there, and we were promoting the show. I got in free, and 20 people are just all like throwing me around. <laughs> In this bar, with like, Did you get some bruises. I don't know. I was I was wearing a jacket. It was like middle of winter, um, like a couple of weeks before I started working at the Record Eagle. I promise I didn't punch anybody in the face. <laughs> it may look like it, but I promise I didn't punch anybody in the face. I think this was actually from hitting the ground. Because I, I was in probably six or seven mosh pits. I hit the ground once. You never leave your feet in a mosh pit. I always end up doing. I'm a big guy too. But for whatever reason, I can't help but, like, try to, like, just throw my whole weight into somebody. And you never. As, if you keep your feet planted, you're going to be okay. But you never leave your feet in a mosh pit. My, my favorite story from this concert, though, is, like, it's, there's 25 people there. Not a big crowd. It's only, like, for people who know about this rapper. Yet, the guy crowd surfed. <laughs> he just, like, leaned back and fell. And we're like, okay, what's going to happen next? And like, we're catching him. Lucky you did. Most people wouldn't do that even if there was a big crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling old, though, after golfing 36 holes. Yeah. So. Well, dude, that's Ooh. nine hours of golf. That's what I mean. Yeah, My back is. hurts. Your back hurts. 
I got some Tylenol here. You want some Tylenol? I got extra strength in my I bag. I took some this morning. Yeah, I took some this morning already. <laughs> I've been carrying them around all day, feeling geriatric. You are old. <laughs> no, I actually, I've had them in my bag because I had the scar on my face. And I had to keep those on me when I was at work last week. And I forgot. It was actually funny because I went all the way down to Florida without taking them. I wanted to take them with me. And I left them in my work bag. And I was like, Psh, dummy, dummy. We have a lot of good news this week. Actually, probably too much good news. A lot of teams were burning it up. Yeah, exactly. They, got, they, they felt like they were the sun, blasting off comets into space and moving on into the deeper stages of the playoffs. We have a lot to talk about in the pulse. We have soccer. We have softball. We have golf. We have baseball. All of our sports that are still going on, we have had teams in the last week do some pretty incredible things. All that's going to come up in the pulse here in just a second. And then we're going to have an interview with two of those players who are headed down to the baseball state semifinals in Glen Lakes, John Pop and Ryan Flores. It was a very good interview with the Lakers. They are going down to East Lansing on Friday, so make sure you stick around for that. After that, we're going to get into our Chatter That Matters section. We're going to talk about one of our good friends, uh, Coach John Lober from Traverse City Central. We ran a story this weekend, and Coach Lober announced his retirement after 52 years at Traverse City Central and 57 years as a head track coach, which is just an amazing career. We had a big story come out in Sunday's paper, but there was absolutely no chance we were able to tell that whole story in just 90 inches and what would fit in the newspaper. Uh, So we are going to talk a little bit more about that coming up in the chatter that matters. And then we are going to do another rendition of the Hall of Fame. We are skipping our trifecta today because we have so much to talk about when it comes to games and previews in the pulse. And obviously, like I said, there's a lot to talk about with Coach Lober. So let's not waste any more time, and we're going to get into this episode. First, we are sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Before we even get into the rest of this, I do want to make sure that we give away our Pit Spitters tickets from last week and get a couple new people chosen. So remember, if you want to be chosen for four free Pit Spitters tickets for this week's episode, please like, share, comment, retweet. Make sure that any of that interaction happens on either Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we will get you entered in to win four free Pit Spitters tickets for any game this month. This week's winner is Traverse City St. Francis's William Wetkowski. Congratulations. We'll be getting in contact with you to get those tickets out to you or maybe you can come pick them up if you would like to get them a little bit faster so you can go to the game maybe even like tomorrow. Other than that, let's go ahead and put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world and get into the pulse, gentlemen. You guys, there was a lot of stuff that went on last week. We had regional semifinals, regional finals, um, state quarterfinals and soccer. Uh, just a lot of stuff going on. I don't even know where to start, but I guess we're going to have to start with the stuff that comes on and starts tomorrow, uh, which is going to be the softball quarterfinals and the soccer semifinals. So, uh, James, we had, a, we, had, we had a bunch of teams still left last week, but we had a few shakeout. We have Gaylord still going in Division Two, Charlevoix still going in Division Three, and Traverse City West still going in Division One. So uh, can you kind of tell us what happened last week before we start previewing uh, what they have coming up this week? The softball teams just really yeah, took care of business, man. I mean, we had eight teams in regionals over uh, over this weekend, and three of them ended up winning regionals regional championships, one in each of the, the top three divisions there. So, uh, you know, with Charlevoix, Gaylord, TC West, all, I mean, it's West's first regional championship ever. It's Charlevoix's first regional championship ever. It's, you know, Gaylord's doing it with mostly freshmen. So it's, this is maybe the first going to happen. Maybe the Probably first of again, <laughs> you know. And then you know, Boyne soccer is still going. Glen Lake baseball is 
you know, our guests will tell you about later. And then uh, St. Francis baseball and winning some games in dramatic fashion, walk-offs and, and everything to, to win the, uh, the regional championship and then winning the, the super regional game after that. Let's dive into those games from uh, the softball games from Saturday then. I mean, uh, I, I know we've had we've been really high on Gaylord. We've been high on Traverse City West. I think Charlevoix might be a bit of a surprise. You know, coming into the playoffs, not a super-duper good record. You know, Traverse City St. Francis beating them in the Lake Michigan Conference. They're only 20-15. and 15. Um, How did they get their first regional title? Um, well, Madeline Sanderson pitched really well. Uh, I think she had 23 strikeouts over the two games. Uh, Grace Lentz hit well for them. Hit a uh, they had two solo home runs and a two to one win over Kalkaska in the first game uh, by Kate Klinger and and uh, Grace Lentz. And then Sanderson outdueled Nagani. Nagani came into this game thirty eight and and zero. Probably and, and that was that wasn't all against UP teams though. I was seeing them in tournaments no, they, in the LP. Yeah, yeah. Nagani, Gladstone, Escanaba, those kind of teams. They come down here to to play to play bigger competition and stuff. So frequently. Yeah, it's not like they had only just been beating up on smaller schools from the UP or something. So I mean, they were a legit thirty-eight nothing, and they were they were good, and they they had a lefty pitcher that was really good, and Charlevoix, Charlevoix just got to her for one inning. Got all three of those runs in one inning after, after a girl from Nagani got a solo home run off of Sanderson. The next, the bottom of the inning, Charlevoix responds with three runs, and that's the only scoring. Every other inning was no runs. That's so, how it's been like for a lot of these playoff games in baseball and softball. Dominant pitching, eight, their ace throws in like the regional final or the quarterfinal, no runs, but yet one mistake costs the game. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and and. Charlevoix just got a, a good team. I mean, their record is only twenty and fifteen, but they've got a lot of good players. They've uh, they've had to go through some changes this season. They had some players out earlier in the year with COVID and things, so they were playing without some players. They moved some younger players into the lineup and moved some did some lineup changes, all that kind of stuff. And uh, and I think Sanderson really kind of came into her own as their number one pitcher. Um, so I, you know they're they're doing the old cliche peaking at the right time yeah now what's their game look like for this week yeah they go to cadillac and they play standish sterling which is the team that beat traverse city st francis and traverse city st francis beat charlevoix during the regular season Uh, not like blowouts or anything but they beat charlevoix so they've got a tough task ahead of them but that game's only going to be in cadillac so it's not that far of a trip for for charlevoix so you know and they're they're kind of playing with house money right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, so. a two to one win over Kalkaska in that regional semifinal, and a three to one win over Nagani. Obviously, you, you gotta you gotta hope they can pull out another close one here or there, um, just to get into those semifinals. Let's talk about Gaylord for a second. Gaylord was able to beat Escanaba six to five in that regional semifinal, and then they crushed Big Rapids twelve to two. We know about this team. You talked about them being all freshmen. Uh, we had those couple of those girls on with us earlier this season. What do you feel their chances are this next week's going to go against Hudsonville Unity Christian? I mean, tr- Gaylord's good. We all know that. We've all seen their stats. We've all talked about that. But I think the bigger question is: is how is their style of play going to fare against downstate programs? Start with Hudsonville Unity Christian, then you go to Wayland and Owasso right after that. It's what like what I was talking about, where it's like dominant pitching, hold off, strikeout pitching, and then 
maybe and get a home run and get the third base. Is that style going to hold up against downstate teams where we might not know about? What I do know is Gaylord was playing in a lot of those tournaments earlier this year and it was and was doing pretty well in them too. So I yeah, do they, expect them to make quite a long run. <laughs> they didn't shy away from playing, you know, schools, big schools, and and going downstate, bringing teams to play them. So they didn't really shy away from anybody. The thing about Gaylord that strikes me, aside from the fact that they have so many freshmen and, and zero seniors, is uh, they they literally have a lineup where the opposing pitcher can't rest on the six, seven, eight, nine hitters. They'll they'll get you almost as much as the others, you know, not as much, but they they can score from anywhere in that lineup, Do and, and they did against Big Rapids. I yeah. mean, they they put up a big, I think, big fifth inning to enact the mercy rule. That was a close game for a while. And then they just busted open a big inning because the whole lineup hit. And next thing you know, mercy rule. I mean, you know that they're very capable of busting an open and having a couple pitchers like Avery Parker, Jaden Jones, who have thrown no hitters, perfect games. Yeah. Uh, Any idea who Radulski? So they yeah. got three reliable arms to exactly, go to. Exactly, and they only have, what, three games left. So who knows what they do. Um, but, you know, the one thing that th- – there's only one team that beat them all season, and that was Division One Traverse City West, who is now a quarterfinal team of their own. Uh, For the first time ever. Yeah, I mean they had. I mean they they started making history when they beat Gaylord and got a share of the Big North Conference title. That was the first one since 2006. Then they won their mm-hmm. first district since 2004, which means you know that they're going a little bit further. Than first regional title ever. Brittany Steinle, Lydia Hymas, we had them on this podcast as well. We got a bit of a chance to know the Titans, but uh, you know what do you think their chances are here going into Division One against Granville? I I like their chances. I mean. You know, teams in the regional, you saw a team give up a home run to Brittany Steimel and then Walker intentionally after that. And so what happens? Hymas comes up and hits a three-run homer. So teams are going to learn you can't bat around those two. Or you can't pitch around those two unless you want to just walk both of them. And then run into Janie Selecki. <laughs> something. Yeah. And then, yeah, <laughs> and then you got Janie Selecki, who's a power hitter of her own. So, I mean – you know they've got another good order, I think, top to bottom, and Steimel as a pitcher. I mean, she threw every pitch in regionals, and it was what ninety four or something on Saturday. You know, Dave Kenny said that she was just just pitching on guts. I mean, in that heat and throwing fourteen innings or whatever it yeah. was. So it's not an easy day on Saturday if you were throwing both games like. Like what Steimel did and yeah. what Sanderson did. Yeah. Um, and luckily, Gaylord was able to just have a one pitcher in each game. Well, again, they they technically could have one pitcher for the rest of their way and not have a, not have a sore arm in the in the house. Let's go over to the sport where they won't let you <laughs> pitch the same guy twice. <laughs> uh, over to baseball, we got two teams left. You mentioned them earlier. We have let's start with Traverse City St. Francis because then we'll lead into Glen Lake um, here in just a moment. But. Traverse City St. Francis, you know, you said they go on a walk-off. They win 3-2 to two because Aiden Schmuckle saves the day with an RBI double. It's no surprise that Traverse City St. Francis makes this deep run. We've seen this happen, and we, we knew, you know, they only had lost a couple of games this season in general. Um, but a walk-off victory in the regional final is probably one of the more exciting moments in a high school career. Um, especially, ba- I mean, football, baseball, like a play like that is just something that you really can't beat. You were there for it. You got to kind of see it. What was that? What was that game like? And how did they actually make it happen? And that was a good Ascoda team too. I mean, that was a a close game the whole way through. They ended up, I mean, three to two, obviously. But it was just a good, well played 
baseball game between between two good teams. It was the first time that Oscoda had ever won a district in the in program history. They'd won, I think, like three conference titles in a row, but had never been able to break through and win a district. And Oscoda didn't want to forfeit this one to Traverse East St. Francis, did they? No. Not <laughs> like they did in football. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then they got to him in that, they got to him that last seventh inning. They got, I think it was Corbin Domres drove in the run that tied the game. And then Schmuckle came up and hit that double that, that uh, got the walk-off. And, uh, and then they went crazy. Like, the celebration after that walk-off was, it lasted a while. <laughs> then there was the Everett game, and I know the Glads had faced Everett earlier this season in their own tournament. I was there for the, the championship in this, their home tournament, like back in April, and they lost that game. What do you, what do you think? Well, when you talked to them after the game, what changed for St. Francis? Like, what did that was it? Just they were comfortable with their pitching. Um, well, Jack Hitchens threw a really good game yeah. in that game against Everett. Um, I mean, he struck out ten, which is pretty impressive to get that from your your not even your number one starter. They they basically used their number two and three starters because they had used um, Charlie Peterson in the the regional semifinal game on Wednesday. He had thrown 104 pitches, which is the most you're allowed to throw, and so he couldn't pitch at all on Saturday. So they went with Lawson in the game against Oscoda and Hitchens against uh, Everett, and uh, you know Hitchens Hitchens got both wins. He got the one in relief because he pitched the seventh. And they got the walk off, and then he pitched the like the first five or six innings of the second game. So I mean, they got that good pitching, and then Charlie Peterson was hitting as well. And and St. Francis is just they, their defense is, was much better than when I've seen them earlier in the season. So yeah, they played pretty fundamentally sound in this game. They gave up six runs against uh, Everett earlier. So yeah, I mean, I've you know earlier in the season I had seen games where Aiden Schmuckle st- struggled at catcher against base runners and this time he had a kid from Oscoda who looked pretty fast and he gunned down this kid so fast the kid didn't even slide like like the ball got to second base so much before this kid that the kid didn't even slide he pretty much stopped and like thought about going back to first now the gladiators are going to play Richmond on Thursday at 2:30 in East Lansing on the other side of that is Buchanan and Gross Point Woods any chance we see them move on to Saturday yeah, well, they'll get they'll get Charlie Peterson back. He'll he'll be able to throw one of those two games, and then and then you go with you know Hitchens and Lawson in the other one probably, unless you can score a lot of runs and maybe get Peterson out of the game earlier or something. But you know, so being a Thursday Saturday, maybe they can uh, throw him a few less pitches and be able to get him back sooner than if it was a Friday Saturday, but. I mean, the the one you'd sooner you say Friday Saturday. That'll be what Glen Lake has to go through. Um, mm-hmm. Our guests they they have their semifinal game on Friday. I'm going to be coming up and chatting with them here in just a second. But let's talk about their runs so far and what they did this past weekend. And obviously, we got to preview this a little bit before we talk with the guys. Yeah, the luck. The good thing with them is that they have two number ones essentially with the, the two guys that we had in here today, Flores and Pop. They got two number ones. They they're not worried about the semifinals and finals. They they'll throw one. In another game, maybe maybe they kind of scout a team out and see which one that their profile fits a little bit better. But not a bad idea. Now we talk about these guys as a uh, as a team this year. We, we, you know, they have Jack, Jackson Trowick, Connor Trowick, 
you know, Ryan Flores, John Pop, uh, Sean Gallagher. They have a host of guys who we've talked about. They have and a really good athletic class. I mean, I, I, they're the same yeah. guys that have just been performing well in basketball and football. You yeah, know? and Griffin Middleton can crash the ball when he gets a hold of it. I mean, we, we, I mean, me and you kind of talked about this earlier. He says an athletic class. I think, I think Glenn Lake's just popping out really good athletes in general. Um, yeah, popping out. <laughs> uh. <laughs> there goes the pun. Doing a lot of good things uh, for their athletes as well. And, you know, I made the mention that I mean, I, this is the third time that Glen Lake has made the F- Division Four finals in the last eight years. Looks like Gaylord St. Mary basically took the spot of the other ones the other few years. Yeah, but, and, yeah and I think in the last eight years it's been Glen Lake or Gaylord St. Mary have been in the Final Four every year. The last eight years that we've had a season. Now, I just want to bring that up because like, Glen Lake has, just in the last three years, a basketball, football, and hopefully – um, I guess semifinal will will count because they're going out of Michigan State anyways. But you know, a finals appearance, boys sports with mm-hmm. football, basketball, and baseball. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what's that say about the school? That's, that says a lot. I mean, to, especially getting there. Basketball not an easy thing to do. Football they've done it twice. You know, so they have good coaching, good leadership that mm-hmm. seeks out coaching. They're an, it's an attractive job. Like you want to coach at Glen Lake. And it doesn't, ha- doesn't hurt having a good crop of athletes. Uh, athletes are somehow <laughs> You kind of got to have those. Athletes are somehow a plenty over at Glen Lake. They um, have some of the best facilities I've seen for the smaller schools in our area. We're excited. We're excited to see what our teams do over at the state finals this weekend at Michigan State. All of the softball and baseball state finals will be taking place in East Lansing at MSU over the weekend. Uh, let's go ahead and get into a different sport real quick. One other thing we have to preview and not just look back on is soccer. We had two teams left as of last week, and Cadillac ended up falling in the regional final, 2-1. to one, And then Boyne City ended up winning their regional final, 2-1. to one. Boyne City is our only team left, and they are in the state semifinals. Hudsonville, Unity, Christian, we, we, we had a couple. We had the Normal Sisters in here a couple weeks ago, and, I mean, they were just explosive. They just gave up their first goals of the playoffs in that last game. But they're in the Final Four for the second straight year. They lost to the eventual state championship winner in 2019. They, I know that they're back for blood this year. Did you see what they were able to accomplish last, last week, James, and uh, kind of get a chance to talk to them about where they're headed? That uh, regional final that they had, or quarterfinal, whatever you want to call it, against Big Rapids, I mean, the score was 2-1, to one, but, but Boyne City really controlled and dominated that game. If the shots on goal, I think were twenty to two, and one of those was a direct kick that uh, Big Rapids scored on. It was from about ten yards outside the box, and this girl just placed one perfect. You know, they didn't have a chance. Other than that, they pretty much didn't do hardly anything on defense. Oof. I mean, on offense, Boyne City had had the ball almost all the time. You know, they were. They were getting shots. They were getting some pretty quality shots, too. They just had a few that they weren't able to finish. But Big Rapids was kind of keeping a bunch back on defense. They weren't packing it in, necessarily, yeah. like the extreme pack-in defense yeah. or anything. But they were keeping a little bit more back than you normally see. And they were and they were marking the, the nobles. Can you? It didn't really work. They were still getting <laughs> quality shots. <laughs> I know you said. And, and, and scoring goals. I know you said it was 20-2. to two. I mean, that's plenty of shots, no matter the quality. That's enough to pepper any goalie. And at least put enough pressure on them to hopefully let a couple of in. Yeah, they, they, I mean, Jordan Noble got one, Allie Herrick got one, and and that's all they needed. Yeah, which they usually have a lot more and let them score a lot less, but a win's a yeah. win, right? Yeah. 
Uh, Big Rapids goalie kept them in that game. She played out of her mind. Just this like little. Uh, she wasn't very tall or anything, but man, she covered all the net and just was getting to shots that you normally don't see goalies get to. Yeah, so we have one more thing to chat about, and that is the Gulf State Finals. We had, I think, a couple of top ten finishes by teams, multiple top ten finishes by some local athletes. Let's go ahead and uh, kind of chat about that. We have the Michigan Open coming this week, so we're not going to have any lack of golf in our lives. It sure is golf season. You want to talk about the state finals first. Wes has their, has their best finish in the school history for the boys. Charlevoix, the top ten as a team. Place third as a team. Yeah. Charlevoix, I, I knew their some of their top golfers were going to contend at the state level. I mean, it's not really one of those sports where you, you're going head-to-head against with teams. You're pretty much just playing the course. They're down there with Glenn Lake that also is in the top ten. But Murphy Kehoe, kid second in the state for uh, golf. Got a 143 overall. It's like one under overall. Yeah, Glenn Lake finished fourth. Jake Bedoin from Charlevoix played, finished fourth overall. Um, a lot of, lot of good finishes there. Uh, interesting thing, uh, they're going to lose Jake Bodoin, their best golfer. Yeah. But um, uh, Raiders coach Doug Drenth doesn't seem to be all that worried because he seems to like really like the rest of this team and what they're, what they're going to bring back next year. He was talking about how uh, uh, between Friday and Saturday, between the two rounds of golf, he had to text the kids on the team and tell them to come back to the hotel from the putting green. <laughs> they were still out on the putting green. A- like after, after the round, they all went to the putting green and were and were just in their putting. And he had to, he had to tell them, "Come on, come back." Then they got on. The, then they played Saturday. They drive back to Charlevoix. They get off the bus, and they go golf. <laughs> It's like no, the season's not really over. It's just we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna keep playing. You know, Wes went through what ten cases of water, like Lois told us. Yeah, Lois and 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 Mike Schultz both said yeah that, that it was just really really hot at that finals. Uh, I think that yeah they went through ten cases of water between the two golf teams. That doesn't surprise me. So if there's yeah. what twenty four bottles in a case, it's two hundred forty water bottles between ten golfers. Times yeah. sixteen ounces is how many gallons? A lot, a lot, a lot. I'm not here to do conversions. I'm not here to math. I we mean, are like here. We are here. We are here to convert over to our interview with Glenn Lakes, John Pop, and Ryan Flores, two seniors who are on their way to East Lansing this weekend for the state semifinals in Division Four for baseball. Let's go ahead and give a list for that now. The Get Around Podcast is extremely excited to welcome in Glen Lake Lakers, John Pop, hello, and Ryan Flores. Thanks Hi. for joining us. Now we uh, we got to dive into our freaky fast five with these Lakers before they get into the state semifinals this week. We got to get to know them a little bit. John, I'm going to start off with you. What's your favorite type of foreign food? Oh, foreign food, something with pasta. So Italian, much, yep, anything. Yep. Okay, what about you, Ryan? It's probably got to be Mexican food. Glen Lake is like within walking distance of Sleeping Bear Dunes. Where what's what's the best tips to go hiking and camping there? There's a lot of like places to go around. Um, usually we just go to the Sleeping Bear Dunes just to hike. I, I know for the school at least that's what we do. So, has there ever been a time that they've like made you do like a dune climb as a workout? 
as a workout. Yeah. Um, it's not really like a workout. We kind of just go there for fun sometimes. But um, we had a like trip when we recently. were in school. Yeah, recently. Recently, school, yeah. When we just went there and hung out with our yeah. senior class. Yeah, it was okay. fun. If, if you were gonna have an actor play you in like your biography, who would it be? Well, someone famous, Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. I guess I could say like Brad someone Pitt. Or yeah. Someone, yeah. You say Brad Pitt? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we got like the Departed coming out of here. <laughs> we got a couple of gangsters. All right. What's your biggest pet peeve? Loud chewing. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'd have to say something like that too. Yep. Loud chewing. Yeah. All right. Let's get one more in here. Uh, do you collect anything? Every family trip I go on, I collect like little stone animal figures. I don't know. I kind of found a cool dolphin one in mexico i was like oh, i'll just start collecting them so now i collect little stone figures okay okay what about you um i kind of collect just stuff for like baseball um when i was younger i started collecting stuff like when we for travel stuff we'd go somewhere and just pick something up like a little baseball bat or a baseball something like that just a like a remembrance thing mm-hmm. you're gonna get one in, in east lansing this weekend yeah i'm gonna have to get one in east lansing so yep and get a little spartan head on that i like that <laughs> no <laughs> That was our Freaky Fast Five, and not to our sponsors at Jimmy John's. We're going to dive into the rest of the interview with John and Ryan here. Uh, you guys are headed down to the state semifinals in Division Four this weekend. I know it's got to be really exciting here, and you're especially you know, in, in the later stages of your guys' high school career and your season, senior season kind of coming to a head. What has the ride been like so far, especially making it through that regional final uh, you know, and, and looking at a chance to uh, get into a state final in East Lansing? Mm-hmm. You know, there was definitely a few games – this year that I felt like we should have won that we kind of left out there on the field and so I kind of felt like you know I was a little unsure about how this season would go but going downstate you know that had always been something I kind of hoped for especially with missing our last season so to be able to do that you know taking it one game at a time it's been really fun especially those two games last Saturday were was really really fun it's a good time. Yeah, now how much pressure was that on Saturday for you guys um, having to back him up? I, I know I know he's been a good pitcher all year, but yeah. the bats had to come alive too. What was the pressure like in those two games to kind of make it past Saturday? Um, the pressure was – it was there was quite a bit of pressure to like, you know, just I guess have fun. But I know Coach Herman's big thing is just, you know, have fun and go out there. But when you know there's stuff that's on the line, like especially your senior season, it's it's in the back of your mind. So you, you're thinking about it, but you just have to play the game. So – now, I know you say you brought up not missing last year. We've asked everybody this, but now you guys are in the late stages. How much more does it mean that it's two years' worth of work towards this point and two years' worth of work towards the semifinals that Friday means, you know, just about everything? Mm-hmm. It means so much more. You know, it was tough to miss it last season, especially, uh, you know, I thought our team was going to be pretty good, so it was really tough to miss last season. And, you know, just knowing that it's do or die, what, you know, all it takes is one game and we're done, especially in our senior year. You know, it just makes it all that much more important. Yeah, I really, you know, last year I wish we could have played with the, those group of guys. It would have, we would have had a really good team. So, yeah, I really wish we would have been able to do that. Ryan, I saw you with the no header against Ellsworth in the first round of regionals. But can you walk me through after, what happened after that with Rod, Rod and Gaylord St. Mary? What were those games like? Yeah, you know, I felt, I felt pretty good coming off of that Ellsworth game, and I, but I knew. Like the the teams we we're gonna face next were not gonna be the same as that, and um, I knew it more difficult, more of a battle, and um, you know I kind of just tried to come in with the same philosophy, let my defense play behind me, you know, and we were able to make some opportunities, like with some of the pickoffs, a lot of the pickoffs we had, stuff like that, that helped us get out of some tough situations, some tough innings. So, yeah, same philosophy, go in, try and pitch well, get ground balls, let our defense make plays, and that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Did you pitch in any of those games, or did you have enough rest? Because, like, 
Yeah, I pitched against Rudyard. I think I made it through I think you five, pitched like, yeah, you five, pitched. <laughs> 5.1 innings, and it was 4-0 when I came out, and then he came in and finished it up. So, yeah, it was good. What do you know about Cardinal Mooney other than that they're ranked number two in the state? Just that they're good, you know. Any team here is going to be good here on out, so we're just going to bring our A game. I'm sure they're going to bring their A game too, so. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, other than that, we haven't heard very much, and we're just. You haven't done, like, the full scouting report? No, <laughs> no not yet. We're kind of just taking it day by day, you know, just doing that, so. Well, you guys didn't practice today, right? No, we did not. Okay. It's kind of a rest did you, day. Did you get the dorm room you wanted? I did, yes. <laughs> so where are, you going, where are you going to school at? MSU. You want MSU? MSU? Okay, MSU. awesome. Where are you going to pick in then? Uh, Holden. Well, I mean, you're on Michigan State. Uh, you have a, any college choice, anything you're doing? Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you actually, just made yours, right? I just made my decision. Um, talked to the coach last night. I'm going to play at Lincoln Community College. Okay, or awesome. Lincoln Trail Community College. Yep, it's down awesome. in Illinois. So it's quite uh, a bit, but I'm really excited to do it. You know, it's a dream thing that I've... Well, it's the same school. That's the same school that uh, Thomas. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Thomas Wanning went to. Yeah. Right? He, and then he, he went to Ohio State after that. Yeah, yeah. They have a they have a really good program down there. Um, so I'm really excited just to go down there and you know give it all my all. So. I was gonna say they're kind of like a JUCO powerhouse. <laughs> yeah, they're they're good. Yep. And it was uh yeah Thomas definitely helps me out getting my name down there. It's it's been hard with the recruiting and stuff this past year, especially because I've missed my sophomore year and then with COVID. Um, but yeah, so it was a. You know, I'm really like thankful for him to help me out. So, yeah. So, what well, can you kind of talk about? What that's been like if you if you really haven't been able to been seen for the last couple of years. How did that work out for you? I mean, so I had a couple offers to go play football too. For you know, recently I've been really trying to hammer this this offer or like to go down there and play. So I played my freshman year. So that was the last time I played baseball, except for like travel ball my junior year this past year. So it's been kind of hard to just you know get my name out. I haven't been able to go to showcases and stuff like that. You know as you know, most players have, so it's been hard, but, you know, I'm glad that it finally worked out, so. Yeah, because you, you tore your ACL as a sophomore, right? Yeah, mm-hmm, during basketball. Ryan, tell me about the, the mojo sombrero. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, how did you guys find out about the, the sombrero? <laughs> so, you know, that's just, it's kind of fun to, uh, you know, have something, you know, it's just, it's just kind of a team bonding thing, and it was actually part of my Halloween costume this past year, so you know I decided to bring it in one day. And our coach is not the biggest fan of it, and we're supposed to leave it on the bus. But we we did end up bringing it up to Pelston with us, and along yeah. with some other things. And he you wasn't know, he wasn't happy the first time when I wore it on the field. Yeah, yeah he was not. Yeah, he didn't like that. <laughs> but you wearing it on the field, yeah. Yeah, out yeah. to practice. But uh, no, it's just it's just something that's fun for our team. You know, we had a, we have a couple of things, but. Mm-hmm. It's just a good team building thing. Is that almost like the Miami turnover chain? Yeah, similar. Something so, like similar, that. Similar concept. I don't think is cool, but it's a. It's a yeah, I mean, concept. it's not a huge gold chain <laughs> yeah. that makes you look all awesome. Yeah, or anything, I wish. It's, it's more to make you maybe they look a little ridiculous. Yeah. Get a little energy yeah, flopping. It's just for fun. Yeah. Okay, okay. Keeps the keeps the sun off. Baseball makes it down to the semifinals. Since I've been here in the last three years, one of your guys's you know male teams has reached the semifinals or the finals, whether it be basketball football now baseball how much are you taking from what you've learned from your friends what you've learned from other sports in these postseason experiences to kind of take down these lansing this weekend first thing just stay hungry i know for the football team when we went down there for states and stuff we were that team wanted to go down there we wanted to compete and play you know it didn't turn out how we wanted it to but you know we learned a lot you know we were like close group of guys so that was good and it's it's something i just try and bring to the team you know make sure everyone just is like a family and you know we're 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 staying on track, so just make sure we're like staying hungry during the games, and you know just 
to not give up throughout. So, yeah, you know, I know I can speak for a lot of my teammates when I say that a lot of us are excited and wanted to make a run. And we were talking about this like earlier in the season, and that was that's always been the goal. And so, you know, he's definitely right with our team wanting to be down there. But I think it's also important to uh, just remember that it's the same same field, same same size, still 90 feet to each base. It's all the same. Yep. So, you know, you just got to kind of stay in the moment, stay relaxed. Just know it's the same baseball game we've been playing all year. Now, you guys play in a Northwest Conference that is pretty tough. Um, you, you know, you still get some really good competition. And then you guys get to go into the playoffs in Division Four, and, 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 you know, there's, there's some schools that are going to give you those runs. But what do you think being in the conference that you guys are helps you out when you get into the postseason? Yeah, you know, like one of the toughest teams we played, obviously, this was this year was Kingsley. And they beat us pretty bad, although I still feel like we could have competed with them. And not just at the conference we played, but also just the games we played throughout the year. You know, we played St. Francis earlier. We played Gilead St. Mary. We play these downstate teams at tournaments, and it helps prepare us for the competition we're going to see. So I feel like that those games that we've played this year really helped us. Yeah, that's the main thing, too. Like, Coach Herman, he, like, he schedules those games just to make sure, like, we're prepared for these runs and stuff like that, so... You guys kind of have been like a one-two punch on the mound, and I know you. I remember. I think it was you. You close quite a bit. You at least come in that inning and a half, two innings if you have to. After, after Ryan does a lot of the, you know, early inning work. Um, what's the mentality? I want to know the mentality difference between you guys as a starter and as somebody who has to come in and back him up. You know, there's always that interesting, like kind of chasm between the bullpen and somebody who's usually starting. I mean, can you guys kind of tell you what your different mindsets are when you have to take the mound? Yeah, I mean, I just try to come in, do the same thing all every game, be consistent, you know. I, I like to, you know, I want to be consistent for my team, and so they know what they're getting from me, and I just try to stay steady and make it through as far as possible. And then, you know, once I have to be pulled, whether that be because of pitch count or I'm struggling or whatever, I just know I can rely on my team, and, you know, they'll be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for closing and stuff, I just got to come in there, stay calm. You know, some like the situation I had at, you know, regional final, kind of gave some runs up there but I just had to get it under control and you know just stay steady and you know think about the team first so mm -hmm. I know you brought up you know pickoffs and everything like that uh how much how much do you guys work small ball into your game and making sure that you know every little thing um you can do to to get an advantage you know happens that is something that is preached by our coach a lot you know he always tells us uh nails in the mansion you know like you don't see all the little pieces and all the little things that go into it all you see is, you know, the stuff like the regional championships, semifinalists, you know. But it's all the little things that make all the difference, such as pickoff plays. Uh, we had a great throw from our center fielder uh, this past Connor. that saved uh, the tying run, you know. Like, it's just the little things that matter, and we that is preached heavily by our coach. And we and we work on it, too, like quite a bit in practice and stuff. Yeah. Like, it's we have a, quite a bit of time that we just take out of the day and practice and, you know, work on it just to perfect it. and Bunting. Yeah, bunting Lots is. Bunting. I know the team doesn't like the bunting practice, but it's something we got to have or have to have in the bag is what Coach always says. It's something he says he, we're always trying to be like downstate teams because they're really competitive and, like, you know, they're always working on this stuff. So. Well, you got to know how to field the bunt, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, just the other day I saw in a game where somebody bunted and first and third base both charged it, mm -hmm. and guy just was able to walk to first because the second baseman didn't come over and cover first. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's something that, that we, we try and defend it, too. Like, we go over and practice as well as, you know, how to defend it. So, yeah, it's it's easy once you, like, understand how to do it, but it's definitely a big part of the game. 
What would you guys say is the biggest strength of your team, especially, you know, after this whole season? You guys have been able to kind of work through some things and see, see what you had to work on. What do you think is the biggest strength that you guys have at this point? Um, I'd say the biggest strength is just guys knowing their role. Like, we have guys on the bench that, you know, you know don't see as much playing time, but they're a huge part of the team. Like, we, they're out there talking, making sure, like, you know, we're communicating and, you know, just having fun in general. So um, that's huge for us. So I'd say that's one of our strengths. Yeah, I would agree with that. I know that everybody on the team, you know, doesn't matter. Regardless of playing time, has all had their role to play this season. And, you know, if they don't play a lot, then they're in the dugout talking, keeping the team energy up, and that's so important for us. And then, you know, we get performances from different people on different days, and it's just uh, people knowing their roles and being able to fill them is really important. It's always Somebody's always stepping up when they have to. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball players are notoriously superstitious. What are your guys' superstitions? Uh, my superstition is just making sure, like, my breathing. If I can control that, like, I'll have – I know I'll have, like, somewhat of a good game. But if I start to get my, like, heavy breathing and, you know, it starts to get like, out of control for me. And so I try and work on that during the game. And Yeah, you know, I can't say I have any superstitions. I just try to do same thing, same routine every game. Just mm-hmm. keep it steady. Including the sombrero. Yeah, including the sombrero. He worked that one in. I want to I see somebody in the dugout wearing the sombrero. We're not allowed to bring it in the dugout. I wish we could, though. No. Oh, no. He, he won't allow it. Both of you guys are pitchers. What, what type of pitcher would you consider yourself? You know, strikeout, ground ball, fly ball, I mean, just, just painter. What do you guys consider yourself, or what do you strive to be? I try to, you know, it's our, it's our team's philosophy, just pitch and let our defense play behind us. The goal is not to get strikeouts. It's to get playable balls that mm-hmm. your team can make plays off of so that's what I try to be if strikeouts happen that's great you know but I try to just put the ball where I want you know in a position to get playable balls for my teammates that's my goal yeah I'd say that you know stats might say like a more of like a strikeout pitcher or something like that or um, but I'm definitely just trying to get ground balls for a defense because I have a lot of trust in them so what's so. the biggest what's the best tip that you've gotten to enhance your ability on the mound when it comes to mechanics or or technique because i know everybody has different everybody's body works different with the way they throw but what's the best tip that you've gotten to help you i mean there's there's a lot you know there's just certain things that he wants to be consistent with uh all of our pitchers i mean yeah i know there's like there's physical mo- mechanics and stuff but he he preaches with me a lot it's just mentality just go up there you know just stay strong stay calm have fun up on the mound and so that's I guess that's one of the biggest things he's taught me is so. what's the most frustrating thing you've heard from somebody when you're on the mound when like you might be struggling a little bit because I know that a lot of times people are just trying to like trying to calm you down but you're just like man that's not what I needed to hear right now <laughs> for me I'd say sometimes it's like from our own bench if they're you know they're telling me like it's okay it's like you know I just I have to work it out myself it's you know I understand they're just trying to encourage me and, you know they're being confident in me so but yeah, it's just sometimes I gotta work it out on my own. Yeah, I'd agree with him. You know, sometimes when you're on the mound and you're struggling, it's kind of like you don't want to hear anyone say anything. It's mm-hmm. like if they say you're okay, it's like yeah, I know. It's like I'm not trying to throw balls. I just am. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to yeah. get back in there. So I try not to listen to what anyone says. Like I know when I'm in the field, I'm talking to our pitchers. But I know if I were in his position, I'm not listening. Teammates. No, I'm just kind of trying to tune them out. I don't need to hear any of this. What's the funniest heckle you've heard that's, like that's sayable? And no, in general. In general. That's repeatable. Um, we used to have a kid on our team my sophomore year. He had a question of the day he'd always ask the pitcher from, of the opposing team, 
and he would just say something like really random and it would just it wouldn't even be revel- relevant so yeah i know i know we have a teammate who uh you know everyone i feel like everyone who's been around baseball has heard ducks in the pond and he comes up with some random variation of it and you know he's even gotten a pitcher to step off because he got him laughing and you know it's just good to hear that that's the kind of stuff that is fun and makes it fun to be in the dugout with our team so yeah yeah it's not supposed to make sense it doesn't need to make sense you're supposed to catch him off guard right it's literally supposed to mess them up Mm -hmm. a little bit who has the best nickname on the team? I know a lot of times baseball guys, I always hear baseball guys running out to the to the plate. You guys are throwing nicknames. Who's got the best nickname on the team? Probably Griffin Middleton. We call him Patty. Yeah. Um, it's something that <laughs> Coach Weber called him. I wondered just, about that. It was, just, it was just a name that stuck with him, and then throughout high school, a yeah. lot of people call him that. Uh, so our JV coach, Coach Weber, who gave it to him, uh, said he couldn't remember his last name. And so he just asked him his middle name, and it's Patrick. So he started calling him Patty, and it's stuck since. Yeah. So. Alrighty, guys. Well, John and Ryan, thank you guys so much for joining us here before you head down to the state semifinals at Michigan State this Friday. Best of luck to you guys, and we hope to see you there on Saturday for the finals. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Another huge thank you to John and Ryan. For joining us uh, before their matchup with Reed and City Cardinal Mooney. That interview is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's is freaks about fresh meat, bread, and veggies because that means bread or sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's freak, yeah. That's going to put us into our chatter that matters. And I kind of brought this up at the beginning of the episode. Our Sunday centerpiece this week was about the legendary John Lober, the track coach from Traverse City Central. The boys track coach from Traverse City Central who has announced he is stepping back from the head coach position after 52 years as the Trojans leader. 52 years. That is an incredible amount of time. He was the head coach of track for 57 years. He spent some time down in Sylvania, Ohio. And Bel Air. And in Bel Air. He started his career in Bel Air. He started coaching track and football and everything like that. I went down to Ohio for a couple of years. That's where he really fell in love with the sport of track, and then he came back up here to Traverse City and has basically been doing it ever since, since 1977. And that is just that is just incredible. I definitely recommend you go and read the story. Uh, we tried to get as much as we could in there, but it's just absolutely impossible, James, to do 52 years' worth of information into one story, right? Yeah, I mean, that story was 90 inches as it was, and it could have easily been 200, and we... St- Still wouldn't have gotten everything in there. Yeah, I, 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 and everything you wanted to. You guys interviewed him for like two and a half hours. We interviewed twice. him probably. Yeah, I was gonna say we probably interviewed him for we a total of six twice hours. For two, for at least two hours each time. Yeah, it was probably a total of six hours that we sat down with John, and we got to go through all of his awards, and we got to see. And then we barely quoted him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that was on purpose, John. If you listen to this, John, and, and this is the way we thought, and I think everybody we talked to did a really, really good job of telling us what John was like. John did a yeah. great job. Yeah. But I think that's what it was, is that the, the the legacy that he had on everybody else is what we wanted to highlight because everybody that we talked to basically had the same thing to say about him. And you'll read about that in the story. And there's a few things I want to bring up that I don't think we said, but I, I mean... I think the most common word was passionate. Yeah, or, or all the energetic. Passionate yes. and energetic. Yeah. At 79 years old, I think every single person told me I don't think he's 79. He don't act like he's 79. He's got more passion, more vigor than a 40-year-old. I mean, there was like 26-year-old kids saying that, <laughs> you know, who, who just got out of college. And some kids who are still in college who said that they're like, I can't even keep up with the guy. But 
I mean, there's plenty of stuff that we missed in this story. Make sure you go to the Record Eagle or record-eagle.com to check out exactly not, what's not in there. Not missed. Just well, was, exactly. were able to include everything. Had to leave out, yeah. basically. So, James, let's toss a few things out here and t- talk about a few things that Lober was able to do over the years that we really couldn't, like, expand on um, in the story. A lot of the things that I think that we kind of overshadowed was his awards. And when you look back at his list of awards and him actually earning National Track Coach of the Year, right, and National Pole Vault Coach of the Year from the FHS and from USA Track and Field in different years and across his entire career, he has been well-respected across the country for a long time. And he's been looked up to, and one of the things that we didn't really bring up here, I think it was really funny, he brought up, you know, in his age, he's like 79, and he still likes to, he still likes to learn. Even though he's, you know, supposed to be the guy with all the wisdom and everybody probably comes to him with questions, he still is the one going to coaching clinics. He still wants to sit in the crowd and wants to learn stuff. But he said, I, I don't really get the chance to do that anymore because they're always asking me to speak. Yeah. I mean, that, that was one thing that kind of struck, struck me. I mean, he's been thinking about doing this for five years. And he really thought about it during the COVID year, but decided against it because he's like, well, I can't, I can't quit and they're down. <clears throat> you know, I can't, I can't quit and they're down. So, but even this year, he still went to three clinics. Not to speak, he went, just went to three clinics. Right before he's going to hang him up, he's still going to clinics and trying to learn stuff. You know, just one of those things that stands out as somebody who just won't stop. And that's and that's the, <laughs> that's the funny thing. I, t- I talked to the Grand Valley coach, and the, I think the only part I used of a 10-minute conversation with him in the story was that the first thing he said to me when I told him why I was calling him is he's like, you really think John Lober's retiring? That's the other thing that I got. From, that's the other thing I got from everybody. Even even his partner of fifteen years. That's kind of how we ended the story. If you read it, yeah, was she goes, "I'll believe it when I see it," and I mean we all know it. He he said it himself, and that's one thing that I know the story. And the story made it clear, but got to bring it up. Like he is not done coaching, right? No, he wants to do private lessons. Yeah, he wants to do private lessons. He wants to do individualized coaching. He doesn't want to have to deal with the scheduling and the recruiting and the... He wants to coach coaches. Yeah. And coach coaches on how to run meets. Because, I mean, that's one thing. If you've ever gone to a John Lober meet, they're different from other track meets. Like, there's not a dead second there. I mean, they're boom, 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 boom. He takes pride in that, too. That's one of the things he wanted to make sure that um, he brought up to us several times was, hey, man, I, I figured out how to run the best track meet because it's exciting. You know, I know how to set up a track. I don't know how to do this. After 57 years, I hope so, John. <laughs> you better have figured it out, man. You pretty much designed Central Track the way it is now mm-hmm. and raised the money to to get it put in and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's he is Traverse City Central Track. Yeah. And, I mean, we're talking about four, four full generations of families. Like, kids, their kids, their kids. And we're getting close to their kids' kids after 52 years. Um, to go full four generations under one coach, that's just insane. Just to put that in perspective, this is a, like yeah. Well, well, one little detail that we, I didn't put in the story is that uh, Tony Gallegos's grandmother was on his first track team that he coached in Bel Air. I can't remember if it's here in Central or if okay. it was in Bel Air, but one of the first teams that he coached, Tony Gallegos's grandmother was so, on that. So third, that exactly. Team. So three generations. And Gallegos is now one of the best sprinters in Traverse City. Yep, yep. He's not being coached by Lober, but he's, uh, Lober's trying to coach to beat him, which yeah. I'm sure, which I'm sure is exciting. But I mean, we've even talked to, I mean, the one, one other thing that we kind of, you can kind of see in the story was the absolute 
extreme network or spider web that in the state of Michigan that, no across the country yeah that John Lober has created I mean they have there there's dozens and dozens of coaches in the state who have coached under Lober and now track tennis soccer just coaches across the board like you said he wants to coach coaches he already did he created coaches with his coaching back in the day and we talked to people who said that so who said the way this guy did things just made me have the passion for it. It gave me the fire to be like this. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we, we heard life-changing stories. We heard life-changing advice. I'm sure the thousands of kids who have gone through Traverse City Central's track, thousands of boys who have gone through Traverse City Central's track program have learned all those things tenfold, right, being with him every day. I was trying to just, like, put it all together and learn all that as we can. It's tough because... We heard, we heard from people from the seventies. We heard from people from the eighties. Heard from people from the nineties. We heard from people all the way across the, you know, the six decades that Wasn't he's that been coaching. That's what we're uh, trying to do is like talk to someone from every decade. Yeah, yeah. We wanted to make sure we got a grip on what he was like when and how things changed and you know why why he was able to become so successful as a track coach and why he's able to make Traverse City Central such a successful track program. One of the things we harped on was recruiting. Um, you know, getting kids out of middle school, setting them up early to make sure that they do want to run track or that they have a focus when they get there and they can actually, you know, do an event and be really good at what they do. There's and, and encouraging them. Mm-hmm. Encouraging them. And not just encouraging the kid who's already really good. Yes. Like taking the kid who's okay right now and seeing that he has some potential, he or she has potential to become a much better athlete. And then there's all a bunch of stories of him taking kids like that out of middle school gym class. Literally. And, and turning them into all-state. Or caliber, state champion type. State champion type, yeah. Track athletes. And, and that's that's a skill that you don't see a whole lot. I, I think there's a lot of things with uh, John Lober that you don't see a whole lot. And one of the things that I, I want to bring up, and I think why this story was so important, is, I mean, 52 years at one school. I personally, and I think I asked everybody I talked to, I don't think it'll ever happen again. Uh, it sounds crazy, but with the way that times are now and with the the not-so-permanent nature of coaching jobs and the not-so-permanent nature of sports, I mean, we, we are seeing you know, some sports have to take a step back to club or go down to eight-man football or whatever it might be. You know, The permanence isn't quite there. Um, like it was when you started coaching in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. Hey, you do a good job, blah, 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 blah. You know, if, if you don't win or you don't do this, you're not going to be around very long. And 52 years is, is some kind of accomplishment. That's longer than Joe Paterno coached at Penn State. That's longer than Coach K has coached at Duke. You know, that's longer than Connie Mack. The only reason why he got that close is because he started being a coach when he was 19 years old as a player. The only reason why he got to 51 years is because he was 19 years old when he started. He would get turned 70, and he quit coaching. Like, that's Connie Mack. That, that's, that's back in the 1850s when they didn't know, people didn't even know how to coach baseball. They needed somebody around. And John's still able to stick around through that. There was one other guy in the state John brought up to me. Uh, well, besides Don Lukens, who was an assistant for John. Don Lukens was a head coach for like 30 years and has been an assistant for about 30 years. So not quite as long as a head coach, but he's been coaching track for 60 years. Mm-hmm. There is um, that whole staff that- that Lober put together, it was loaded with experienced coaches who had been coaching for decades. And and that's another thing. He was able to put together a good staff of coaches. He, he, he realized pretty early on, I can't do this by myself. 
I don't think he wanted to. He's just like, I like to <laughs> He goes, I like to coach high jumpers and pole vaulters. Everybody else could do the sprinters and distance guys. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's, that's what throwers. you got to do. But you have to think about that exactly. Like, it, 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 just like he was able to pick out kids' potentials, right? He was able to see that in his coaches too. He was able to see who was best or who could do what and make the team the best as a whole. And I think everybody kind of brought that up. You know, we talked to Anthony Berry, who runs at Michigan right now, was part of that 2014 state championship team and, uh, you know, ran for Coach Lober for years. And he told me that, I mean, Anthony Berry has a bunch of records out there. He's one of the better runners ever in northern Michigan history. Mm -hmm. And even he told me, he goes, without John Lober telling me I could do it, I might have never even ran track. I might have, I would have never ran anything. If John Lober wasn't like, oh, no, like, you're going to be the guy. That's, that, that's a, a whole different life trajectory. Kids got scholarships, you know what I'm saying, running it at the University of Michigan. Like, that's a whole life trajectory change just over a sentence or two. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to think the type of impact. And we deal with coaches all the time, right? We deal with these kids all the time. I mean, even us, we, we, I, I don't think that – in the resounding part, you try to have an impact, right? You try to do your best. You try to do the best by the kids. But I don't know if you see it until, you know, years later. Or you're never really going to hear about it until years later. I mean, we, we've heard about it over 50 years now. So we know that never stopped with, with Coach Lobert. Yeah. You get back to never stop. Yeah. He never stops. <laughs> never stops. That's the same thing. I, I mean, we'll, we'll see what he gets up to. I mean, he never stops. He almost ran out of town with us without being able to get a portrait because he was ready to rock and roll on vacation after, after he got done with state finals. He was, he was on the road. Ready to go. He wasn't playing no games. <laughs> well, speaking of never stop, I mean, he had a text thread with me and you, <laughs> and he just kept sending us people's phone numbers and just kept, and then like, hey, call me. I thought of something else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like every day. Literally. Just what, about his <laughs> With the impact that he, that, you know, he was able to have, I think it's just, it, it was almost an understatement to just have a story. That's why we had to talk about it a little bit here. And I mean, the legacy that he leaves behind, there's only one guy in the state um, and one guy that I could find in general, which was Don Sleeman in Ann Arbor, and he's been head coach down there for 55 years, right? And that's like just just a bit longer than Lober. He re- he retired, or he retired, I think a year ago. Um, Lober's like kind of the last of that breed, and that's like, I guess I guess that's what we will kind of make that the trifecta because I I asked a little bit earlier, but do you really think it's possible for a coach to coach this long ever again? Like I'm not not even just the high school level. Big word i know it is a big word never is a big word but i'm 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 on board with it it being never i don't know i don't know what the situations are like in other states i mean we know what the coaching situation is like right now but a lot of things can change in like a thousand years i mean humans weren't even really walking like a couple thousand years ago yeah but also coaches don't walk into coaching jobs when they're 20 years old exactly that this is you have to work your way up as an assistant you know, and you could be there as an assistant for five or ten. You might years be thirty-five before you get a head coach job. You know, and then, and then you got to go until you're almost eighty. Yeah, or ninety. And what, there's so a couple what, coaches. What, in what are the odds you even live to be eighty? I mean, there's a couple of coaches in our area that are in their twenties. I think people want to become coaches. You know, it's something like you like when you're playing sports and you have a really like. Um, influential coach you're just like i want that to be my life at some point i think people know like mm-hmm. early in life that's what they want to do at some point the question is when they actually start and i think you don't see like you just talked about that guy in baseball that was a player coach when he was like 19 years old that doesn't really happen now it doesn't no, at all no it doesn't but happen. people know like they want to be coaches later in life like there's a desire to coach 
Yeah, not like refereeing. I, I, but you just don't see people sticking around this long. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this at length a week or two ago on the podcast about mm-hmm. how coaches, just all the, the stresses that they deal with and the and everything. If you're seeing coaches leaving sports because of because of that and being pushed out. Yeah. You know. The, the long that's to to do that for that to do it for parts of seven decades. I, I had to make I almost I, it was almost I was kind of poking fun at John at one point and I asked him I said, "Dude, it's the same thing. This is why I don't think fifty-two years, right? If you start at t- coaching at twenty and you're good enough to stick around for fifty-two years, there's more likely going to be a chance for upward mobility or a different job that could maybe." Give you a different opportunity. Like if you're a really good high school coach, exactly. At 25, you'll, I mean, chances I, are you'll get. A I mean, I mean, we talk about like, talk about Travis Shuba, right? Mm-hmm. Good, good coach. Twenty five years old, he gets the job at Traverse City Central. He's there for two years. Gets signed on as an assistant at Davenport, and all of a sudden he's the head coach at Davenport. Mm-hmm. Does he stay at Davenport for fifty years from now on? He's twenty seven years old. That means he would be seventy seven. If it, ready, if he right now he just became the head coach at Davenport. He'd have to be 79, the same, the same age as John Lober is today, and he had to stay at women's, as the women's basketball coach at Davenport University the rest of his life. I could never see that happening with somebody who's young and has potential like that. You know? And I'm not saying that, like, oh, you could be, like, a mid-level coach and just stick around. Sure, sure. But if you're just a mid-level coach after 15, 20 years, you ain't won nothing. Yeah, I'm sure. They keep you around. Right? A new administrator comes in, a new principal, a new, you know, athletic director, whatever it might be with a new vision – Things change so much more rapidly nowadays, so much quicker and just, you know, this world with the internet and Twitter and like, it's really just how we're all conditioned anymore. I don't think even coaches have the attention span that Coach Lober has to dedicate everything to just the one thing. And I mean, that's why I think that this, this is rarefied air. I think this is something that... Mm -hmm. I don't know, and even in my time as a sports writer, I, you know, I, I'll, pro- I'll be a sports writer for the next 52 years, but I don't think I'm going to see anything like this again. Um, maybe, maybe some people who are still in it and are going to retire in the next 8, 10 years, but after that, I don't think that's a, much of a choice. I mean, we got it like David Dalton and stuff. He got up to like 41, and like that's a long time. Talk about another 10, 12 years after that. And all you got to do in that time is run into one angry parent who gets the ear of the athletic director yeah it's over that's it that's all it takes and that's what one, things. one school board member that doesn't like something that happened yeah one principal who's very convincing to other people yeah doesn't take it doesn't take very much one one very bad one bad batch of people or athletes who you just can't do anything with for four years you know what i'm saying it happens but that, that's the variables are so much and I feel like so much of it is now outside of somebody, somebody like John Lober's control. Because John Lober has so much control over that pra- track, or has had so much control over that track program. That's what makes a difference. I don't think I don't think Zach Stevenson has had to worry about that track program ever. You know, mm-hmm. he, he walked into that job, and or Mark Matson when he was there, they probably didn't do a thing. No, he was like, yeah, John, you, you got it. Yeah, just make yeah, sure make sure you, make sure you get the waiver forms for me, so yeah. I don't get sued. You know, make sure you sign all the waiver forms and hand those into me, and then we'll be okay. I think John would appreciate it if we brought it up because even though he's done coaching, there's one big thing he said he is still trying to do. Well, two kind of. Um, he wants to get a record building built at the Traverse City tra- Track Complex so he yeah. can put all of those trophies and plaques and everything. Yeah, kind of like a Hall of Fame. Exactly, um, which I can see happening fairly easily. A John Lober Hall of Fame or whatever it might be. Yeah. 
The other one is he is pushing for, I think he said, $20 million. $20 million. Well, I don't know if he's pushing for exactly that. Uh, that but money. He, but, but he wants something like what East Kentwood did for $20 million. Exactly. <laughs> uh, indoor, a full indoor, a full uh, indoor track facility. facility and soccer facility and stuff like that where they'll be able to vault and high jump and long jump and, and run indoor track and meets indoor track meets all winter long in Traverse City. Which makes so much sense because Would that be something like both schools can use. Or? No, it'd be something that everybody in Traverse City can use. That yeah. you know they'll be able Central to host West, events. St. Francis. Yeah, and, and even probably even more, you know, in the area because just if you really think about building. Yeah, it could be soccer. You know, it could be you know indoor whatever flag football. It could be a, a rec center, but football practice during the middle of the winter when playoffs. Exactly, and and that's why you go. What a what a great opportunity. Um, and when he brought it up to us, we were like, man, I, that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up. Because like, I just, where we live in Traverse City, and we see, we, we've talked about the disadvantage that our teams up here have to downstate teams with three or four extra weeks of practice, or really let's a couple months. A, let's just put a dome over Thurlby. And for the, first, <laughs> first, for the first high school football team to have a dome. From November yeah. till March, that could be used for anything in the area because outdoors can't. Yeah, well, like and during the football playoffs, St. Francis practiced inside the Grand Traverse Resort, inside yeah. one of the ballrooms. On the carpeting. Just, just on a carpet. It just made me think, like, there's no real indoor place where get, people can practice on, like, a field size, you know? Exactly. Yeah, so that, there's, there's the grit shop, but that's pretty fairly small and kind of for softball. But. And so that's basically what, what Lober is going to try and do in retirement, except for being, you know, an assistant coach and individually coaching kids and probably still doing everything he did last year. Once again, we'll see what he actually steps back from. I'm excited to see how I'm excited to see how much energy he puts into not doing things he wa- doesn't want to do anymore. Let yeah. alone doing all the things he, he he was supposed to do. One of the quotes that I did add back into the story was uh, or add the from my notes, I guess, from the story was how he said that he wants to he wants to hang around and and you know pass on what he knows to other people without being a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, John. For all those who know him, I'm pretty sure that's a hard time. I think no. maybe he said but. <laughs> we got one more segment before we get out of here, and that's our Hall of Fame. We have three more athletes to put up and possibly put into the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. We talked about some of these guys already, but we can put up three athletes. I'll go first. We talked about golf earlier, and Traverse City West, Murphy Kehoe, leading them all season long, ended up getting tied for second place in the Division I golf finals with a 143. Um, man, Division One is hard, and Traverse City West has got a couple of – I mean, is, is Kehoe – I mean, his sister, we know how good his sister is, right? Both of his sisters. Well, but you're right. And then <laughs> when the Ds come out of West, I mean, we, we, got, we got top five finishers – each of the last, I think, seven years, either on the boys' or girls' side now for West. That's pretty wild. So, who's your nomination? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a softball player from Mesick, uh, Kelsey Quiggin. They beat Lake Leona St. Mary in the opening round of regionals 11-1. to She had 10 strikeouts in five innings in that game. It was also two for three with two RBIs. But then in the, in the second game that they lost in regionals to the number one ranked team in the state, Misik only had five hits. She had four of them. She was four for four against the number one ranked team in the state. Okay, Andrew, who's your nomination? I'm going to put up Grace Lentz from Charlevoix. 
Uh, we talked about their postseason run earlier, but she had a home run in the game over Kalkaska, who has pretty good pitching. Just drove in one of the runs in the game against Nagani. So, yeah, and she's, a, and she's a good shortstop, too. She's a pretty good athlete in pretty much every sport. So, we got to put up for a vote, gentlemen. Who are we thinking this week? I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go with Murphy. I mean, finishing second in Division One is a pretty good accomplishment, especially in that weather. That can't have been an enjoyable weather to play golf in. Um, any, any weather is enjoyable to play golf in, but that's pretty crappy. Yeah. I'm going to go with Kehoe, too. I mean, second place in Division One. Uh, consistency is key, a 143. You're like like Andrew said, you're just under par there. One under par for the for the weekend. Um, that that's a good score, especially playing down there at Michigan State University. Also, is gonna go with Kehoe. Heck yeah, heck yeah. So that means unanimous unanimous decision. Murphy Kehoe from Traverse City West. You are the latest inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame. That's gonna do it for episode 180. Make sure you like, share, retweet, comment, gif us. Somewhere on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud to know that to know that you interacted with the podcast. We'll get you entered in to win four free Pittsburghers tickets to any game this month. We'll see you next week for episode 181. <laughs>